This is Frazzly with Frazzlecast. Do you want to talk about World of Warcraft every week with different people and a little bit of geeky stuff? Check out Frazzlecast.com and on all of your favorite podcast players. And remember, keep it geek. theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brandon Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 120 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm once again joined by my co-host, Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. So you made it. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> We're officially in summer. Oh, seriously, hardest year ever. And <laughs> like, I know a lot of people are like, well, you're a teacher. How hard it can, can it be? It, it, it was a rough one. <laughs> it, it, it was a rough one. Yeah, yeah. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the, the, the relaxation in your voice. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, we've been busy, but it's not been bad busy. It's been social busy. Yeah. So my, my goal today and um, the last couple of days has been to try and just self-care and and rebuild my charge. <laughs> a lot of people are like, so are we going to hang out? I'm like, no, no, we're not. <laughs> and it's not a you thing. It's a me thing. And it's you, just the way it is. Do you go dormant for a couple weeks until you feel like recharged and you're ready to like enjoy your summer? I don't, I don't think I have a couple weeks because we have a relatively short summer this year. So, um, so I'm just trying to make the most out of this week. And then next week I'm going to try and get back. I mean, cause I'm not even really enjoying, I'm like, I'm not sitting watching good videos. I'm not, I'm not indulging in my geekiness. I'm just sitting and playing Sims four because it doesn't take anything. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. how Sims four is like the, uh, the brainless activity version, I guess. of things. It, <laughs> it is it, like, it, it literally don't have to worry about anything. I, like, no winning if i get bored i just switch to a different character like it is not a hard thing to deal with at all i feel like, like there's no- that sounds like one of those movies like uh my big fat greek wedding where there's no actual really conflict like it just kind mm-hmm. of you know it just tells you the pleasant story you know <laughs> and it makes you laugh and like that's it feel good yeah yeah <laughs> 
Cool, man. Uh, so what have you been up to? What, what geeky stuff have you been doing? Uh, geeky stuff. Jeez. Well, we're, we're also into summer. Um, and so for me, I mean, for an admissions crew, you know, that means kind of like reassessing the year and, and looking at what we can do better next year and trying to like plan our, our, our calendar and stuff. I'm going to be doing more traveling this fall, which I'm excited about because we're going to get to add a couple more trips to my already kind of busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so besides that, I mean, I'm going to be in Memphis, uh, and in Nashville this year, which I'm super excited about. I've never, I think I, I visited Memphis once and I've never been in Nashville. So that's going to be fun. That's um, neat. yeah. So I'm, I'm a research geek. So like a lot of my geekiness this week has just been spent like reading about the cities and trying to find out like, you know, where I want to spend my time and what are some must, must see things. Uh, anyone listening want to come on uh, Slack and, and make their suggestions, please do. Um, but besides that, um, really been geeking out about some non, I guess, uh, comic book or, or traditionally geeky stuff. Um, definitely, because I'm a big sports fan, I've been focusing on the NBA Finals and watching a lot of basketball and basketball documentaries. And that's the thing, too. It's like beyond just – I guess that's that's what a geek does, right? Like beyond just the thing, like, you know, watching the game, like I also want to like – read about it and i want to like hear different opinions and like yeah. i want to like watch a documentary and like so do been doing that and then um there's this great great documentary series on netflix called ugly delicious uh by david chang who's a who's a really popular chef i don't know if a lot of people know that i'm also geeky about food like i love to cook and i've been cooking for a long time and i've catered parties and stuff so um this show is really cool because he it's, it's it's a 10 part series on netflix and each episode focuses on a different thing like one episode is barbecue one episode is um like fried chicken one episode is pizza and he just like gets a bunch of different perspectives and points of view and he travels and looks at how different cultures do it throughout the throughout the world um and he actually delves into like kind of like some social justice aspects of these foods, which I thought was really cool. I haven't really seen, I watch a lot of food documentaries and I haven't seen one do it this much yet, like go that far into it. But he talks about like the like racist and like historical implications of like fried chicken. And he talks about like, you know, what makes American barbecue like American and you know, how that can be limited, limiting sometimes when you consider how other like cultures around the world like do barbecue and so uh it's a really fantastic series like i binged it this week and i know i'm gonna be like watching it a bunch of times so that's pretty much what i've been doing that sounds awesome that's something that i'm gonna put on my list because matt and i love food stuff so i think that'll that that sounds like a different take on stuff we already like so yeah this is a good one. David Chang is a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say like an instigator, but he definitely loves to challenge people's ideas of like what is and isn't something, you know, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. doesn't, he, he full, he full on like cops to being someone who doesn't like being told what he can or can't do. Uh, I think he actually says in one episode, like he did, he's talking about himself and he says, I'm someone who doesn't like being told when I can't like something, you know? And I was like, yeah, Oh my that's God, fair. that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, I really, really liked it. That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. What about you, man? 
Um, we spent this last weekend uh, at a friend's house in West Hollywood and going to a bunch of shows during Hollywood Fringe Festival. Cool. That's right. You mentioned this in a past podcast. Oh, it was so fun, Ray. Like, <laughs> I want to do it again next year. Um, the, the the first night, I went with a bunch of our friends, and we did dinner first and went to, like, a 9.15 show. And, um, you know, I have uh, – you know, it isn't my – it is my West Hollywood friends, so a large group of gay guys. And so I, bu- I booked us for a show called uh, The Oz Monologues because uh, I know my audience. <laughs> and um, – and so we go and we sit down and the, the the visuals were amazing and the costumes were amazing. And Dorothy comes out to give the first monologue and three lines in, I'm thinking, oh God, what did I do? Oh, she's terrible. She's absolutely awful. Oh, and it's, it's like, who could, who ruins an Oz thing? <laughs> like Oz should be the easiest thing to get right. And it was kind of billed as this, um, kind of different take on on the Oz characters and yeah. it it was okay like no it wasn't okay it was just bad <laughs> it was just bad but that's what fringe is about like it's it's you you never know what you're gonna get you go in thinking okay this sounds kind of interesting but then you're you're a little bit worried about it and um and the first one of course the one that I brought everybody to was the one that was awful. <laughs> is what what are some early signifier what are some early red flags for you in a performance that you go, oh no, this might not be good? Well you could tell I could tell from the acting that she was not a good actress. Like the first three lines, like you can tell. <laughs> I, I I've done enough auditions where I can tell if I if the the person is somebody that I can use or not because she, she just wasn't good. Like she didn't, she wasn't the character. She was just reciting. She uh, was reciting poorly. It, it was so bad. Uh, I mean, then there were, there were some performers who were stronger than others. And there were some monologues that were stronger than the others, but as a whole, the piece was terrible. Oh, uh, So when it comes to just, fringe theater, like is, are these expected to be like kind of moderate production values or, or are, do you kind of like let that go? Um, well, the production values on this one were relatively good. I mean, they had this big graphic on the back wall, and they kept changing the beautiful visual arts. Oh, um, cool. It was very cool. And then, like, the graphic artist stuff to make it look like, um, you know, they had the, the tornado pick up the house, and they had, you know, all these Whoa. animations. Yeah, so, so it was very cool. And the costumes were amazing. So that part of the, the production value was fine. Um, but I mean, there's 375 shows going on in three weeks. Oh my God. Yeah. And so you just kind of have to grab at whatever, um, kind of looks like it would be interesting and fun. And I, I personally love anything that can be adapted. And that's why I think Oz and Alice in Wonderland and and a lot of the classics, I want to see new spins on them and and interesting things that people do with them. Yeah. Uh, This was, this was not that. (laughs) So is this like a film festival where like, do these, these shows I'm I'm assuming have multiple performances and you can kind of like schedule your week, like, or or your, or your weekend, like where you want to spend your time. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost like a theater convention because every performance, every, any space that can be turned into a performance space is. Oh. And, and so every production company has a different, um, 
you know, they usually you average about three performances of your show and you try and do it on all different times and nights so that, you know, you do want some sort of, you know, weekend, weekend prime time. Right. But then like a Tuesday evening will get you your reviews and your agents. Cause that's usually when they go out to see shows. Oh. And then there's, um, I mean, they start as early as like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, and they go all day and, and a lot, most of them are like an hour. That's kind of the average. Okay. And so that's the good thing is that these shows, if they're really bad, you know, you only have to sit through them for an hour and you're good. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Like, are these like full length shows or like, are these shorts or what? Most of them are about an hour. That's, okay. that's kind of the average. Um, the next morning we went to see something called villain and I'm actually give the, the, the author, uh, it's called Villain, an American Story, and it's by Michael James Kelly and Kalina Mai. Mm. And it was basically um, a story of a black teenager being shot by a white cop and exploring the, um, the, the way it affects both families. Yeah. And it was really, really, really well done. First of all, it was written by the kid who played the teenager's um, brother and the wife of the cop. So you had both racial perspectives there. Yeah. And it wasn't cut and dry. It wasn't like, these are the bad guys, these are the good guys. You saw the struggle that both families went through. You saw the, the cop stressed out because he felt like he had done something wrong, but his family was pressuring him to, to lie because he didn't want to, uh, you know, what, look at what it's going to do to our family if you go to jail. So that's all the, like, it was really a very, very powerful, interesting, and it was actually a full length. Wow. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, there was one called, uh, all American sex addict woke as fuck. <laughs> um, yes. It was it was somewhere in between the two, a little closer to the good side than the bad. But basically, it was um, a white guy is a recovering sex addict, and he's trying to um, write this screenplay with his girlfriend. And she's a, a social justice warrior, and she's trying to turn him into a social justice warrior. And so they're they're combing this script and trying to make it as PC as possible, make sure they're not offending every, anybody. And, you know, he's trying to be better, but she's like, he's not good enough. And then anytime they cut to an impasse, they go down the hall to Andy, who's um, this black woman in his building and a friend of his. And they're like, can you check this for us? And basically by the end, she's like, all right, look, people, you cannot call me every time you have a question yeah. as to whether or not something is politically correct. So it, Unless it you was, pay her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, so it was very, um, it, it was very tongue in cheek, but it made some very good points. I don't think it was as polished as villain, but it, it was, it was entertaining. I feel like I know that. Um, couple. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. The, yeah, that was fun. Saturday night we saw a dance show. Um, I don't have the production company with me right now as far as um, what the name of the production company was, but it was called the circus of love. And they did a bunch of different, um, uh, the Dor- Dorden Dance Company, uh, Circus of Love. It was interesting because the the dancers were all different body types. They weren't classically 
dancer ter- uh, stereotypical body types. Yeah. Um, there's some bigger people. There's some really short people, and um, and they were you know they they were showing all different types of of relationships, and some of them were same sex, some of them were polyamorous, all sorts of different kind of relationships that were explored with dance. And I was very surprised that up to that point, that was Matt's favorite. Oh, okay. Because, you know, I go in going, I think I'm going to like, I want to see a dance show because I think it's something I don't know very much about and want to kind of expand my creative horizons and, and, you know, explore that. And I figured he was just going to be along for the ride because, you know, he was like, yeah, I'll go do a weekend (laughs) at theater with you. But no, he actually liked it quite a bit. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah, cool. And and then the last show we saw was um, was really something I think if we did it next year, we would do first. It was called Musicals and Mimosas. And basically there's this back room in a bar. And they do musical numbers from different fringe shows. So he goes and gathers. Like it's a way for people to promote their shows. And so I feel like if we had done that at the beginning of the process – we would have gone, Oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get drunk at 11 in the morning and, uh, and watch people do musical theater. I'm there. That, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the really cool thing was, and, and I just kind of encourage people. I, I always encourage people to go do the theater, but you know, you're an artist. I think you'd appreciate this. We, we left the, the musical mimosas performance and the da- two of the dance, the dance company that we'd seen the night before, um, performed at, at this thing. And so as we were walking out, we saw one of the dancers and the choreographer and I just stopped and I said, Hey, we saw the show last night. We really liked it. We really thought it was pretty amazing. It was great to see you this morning again. They were so happy that somebody took time to say, Hey, I recognize your stuff and you did a great job. And, um, it was just really cool. It was, we had like talked about the fringe and yeah. And that goes a long way. It really does. Like, I don't think people realize how, especially when, you know, they had this huge space to do this performance in and there were maybe 20 people in the audience Yeah, and all of them were probably friends and neighbors and, you know, colleagues. And so to have somebody that they don't know, just, you know, decide to go to their show and then say, Hey, I really enjoyed it. It, it, I think mean it goes a long way. It It, it helps people feel good about what they do. Absolutely. That sounds really great. I definitely want to check that out next year. Yeah, yeah. I think now that I've kind of navigated through it once, I think next year I'm going to kind of post it online and say, this is the stuff we're going to, this is the stuff we're leaving open, who wants to join, and just have people hop on. Cool. I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to kick off the summer. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, We are going to go to a quick commercial break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our favorite couples in geek properties. Do you have yours ready, Ray? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have, I have <laughs> thoughts. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. 
Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today and we're back yo and uh just a real quick reminder to check out the other shows on the geek to geek network um this week on the geek to geek podcast uh void and bees are talking about rpg job systems i haven't listened to the episode yet because it came out like 10 minutes before we started recording so um I, I can only assume it means like the jobs inside of games when you like either craft or build or, or whatever, but definitely check that out because um, I know I have issues with the way a lot of those things are, are implemented. <laughs> uh, and then tea time with Katie and Chelsea is just a catch up episode. They said that they needed uh, a little time to just talk about what's going on in their, their lives. And uh, again, I, I have not yet, listen to the episode but um it sounds like they are um just kind of hanging out and being geeky and we've certainly done a couple of those episodes too so yeah those are often the best episodes yeah absolutely absolutely so we're talking about geeky couples oh thank god not like the not like the couples that are geeky like (laughs) outside of the real world but 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 couples in fandoms yeah, and um, and we came up with this because last time we recorded, um, we were mid-recording when we discovered that Kitty Pride and Colossus were getting married, which is kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal, and the the finale issue came out today. Um, I actually did not find all of the comics. I am missing one, Ugh. and I have not read them yet Ugh. because I got spoiled. Oh no! Yes. Oh damn! Now, here's my question, Ray. Do you want do you want to be spoiled as well? I'm not reading these comics, so I, okay. I will not be spoiled. But I'm kind of sad for you. <laughs> uh, just spoilers in general just really drive me nuts. So yeah. you know, and the, and the more I care about a thing, you know, obviously the the. The, the more I'm trying to avoid spoilers of any kind. It's so hard nowadays, though. It really I mean, is. It really is. And I just didn't I just didn't even think. I was reading a thing on what I thought was going to be uh, another relationship starting in the X-Universe. And it said, um, you know, spoilers for X-Men Gold 30, which I did not realize was... Oh, so there was episode. a spoiler warning. There was a spoiler. I, like, it was right. my own fault, but... It, it was a it was a big spoiler. So, are we saying um, spoiler warnings for this podcast then? Just for the just for the next five minutes, okay? Because I'm going to tell you because I was very upset. <laughs> so, uh, bump ahead. We'll we'll make sure that we're done talking about this by by eight minutes in or so. So, um, so just zip ahead five minutes from this point, and and we will you will be skipping the spoiler part. But okay, so. When we first decided that we were going to do this, I was like, does Kitty Pride and Colossus make my top three favorite geek couples? Because I love the characters, 
Yeah. But do I love their relationship? Oh, you went deep. And, yeah. Oh, I went deep. Like, I, I struggled <laughs> with this, right? I struggled with this quite a bit. So, yeah, I ended up going kind of deep on it and saying, all right, do I like the couple or do I just like the characters in the couple? <laughs> and and that's what kind of that's what kind of drove my decisions for the top three. God, but, you're making me question my de- my decision making process. Here, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and so so I started, you know, I, I I was started reading this article, and I accidentally got spoiled. But basically, what it comes down to is they they were on my top three because I was like, okay, I, I question their relationship. They've had a lot of rocky roads, but I think it is kind of iconic. Yeah, and so so okay. Um, no, they didn't get married. Wait, what? They didn't get married. Kitty, Kitty backed out. What? Oh yeah. my god, that's the worst thing to get spoiled on. Yeah, I was so frustrated. So what they did is, and again, new spoiler warning because it, it gets better. Um, because that happened, and because everybody was there, and because there was a, you know, it like. Somebody got left at the altar, so there's you know full wedding available. Uh, Gambit and Rogue just decide to get married. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was a bait and switch. It was a bait and switch. Oh my god, that I was is- so disappointed and so upset that I yeah. don't even know if I'm going to go back and read it. Well, I will go and read it, but oh my god, do they know? I mean, it's almost like they they don't realize how invested fans are. Yeah. Because Gambit and Rogue getting married, first of all, terrible idea, but (laughs) (laughs) Rogue, what are you doing? Um, But, like, that is something that fans will, like, you could could get, like, a whole buildup and, like, press out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's an event unto itself. Yeah, well, I guess they're spinning that off into a new event, and so... You know, they, they're they're figuring stuff out, but I was like, okay, I was already hesitant to put um to put Kitty Pride and Colossus on there as a favorite couple. I yeah. certainly wasn't gonna put like I thought about I'm like, well, there's Rogue and Gambit. I'm like, no, I wouldn't put them on there. Um <laughs> I wasn't gonna put Gene and, and and Scott on there because dear God, there were so many problems with that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like getting invited invited to a wedding and then showing up and then the couple goes psych and then like two people from the wedding party are like we're getting married instead. Oh. <laughs> the crowd's like, what? So upset. So Do I upset. even care about this now? <laughs> well, oh my so, god! So what? So you know, ending ending that part, we won't keep going back to it because spoilers. But yeah. um, the. The thing that made me start thinking about how we look at couples and uh, in, in our media is: do we just like the characters? Do we like the idea of the characters getting together, or do we actually <laughs> like them as a couple? Oh man, see, that's I think our criteria is different. My criteria, and I'm getting really nervous now because I'm thinking this might be sneaky, like, say a lot about, like, us. <laughs> Getting very nervous here, looking at my couples going, oh, no. Because um, I didn't really 
pay any mind to how rocky a relationship was. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, that's no big deal. Those red flags, eh, whatever. Uh, because to me, like any relationship is going to have its bumps, like any relationship. And if we're yeah. talking about, I mean, we're talking about more than just comic books, but definitely any iconic or, you know, whatever well-established comic book pairing is definitely going to have ups and downs looking at you X-Men universe. Um, <laughs> you know, forget about breakups and reconciliations. We're talking deaths and alien possessions and shit. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, Kitty Pride and Colossus broke up originally because he cheated on her. And that's, that's yeah. like, that's a relationship thing that happens. You get right, right. Gene and you're talking about like, <laughs> Hey, sorry, when while you were dead, I kind of had a baby with one of your clones. Right, right. And then she murdered a planet. And, you know, that made me feel really insignificant as a partner. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so um, I looked more at how invested are, are, am I as a fan in this pairing and how interested am I in like, – like, for instance, if this couple – had their own comic and there was no other team members or had their own movie. And there was, you know, and maybe the plot of the movie was not whatever the thing was, but if their relationship was the plot of the movie, would I want to watch that movie or read that comic or play that game or whatever? And if the answer was yes, then they were in the running. Okay. Because, and when you, when I look at it, when you look at it that way, you know, a relationship with lots of ups and downs and like really rocky kind of, you know, um, um, elements to it, that makes for like the most entertainment. So it's almost like I gravitated towards the problematic relationship. Well, here's my question. That's what that's one of the things I struggle with because I think sometimes I get very tired of the will they won't they. Oh yeah. Thing. Yeah. Same here. I, like like that and and secret identities. I'm done with. <laughs> like <laughs> like those are plot plot points. I don't I don't want to sit through anymore. Right. Um, and I don't like the idea. I, I feel like in a lot of these properties, and I, I get it, in a lot of these properties, the the partners are used against each other for dramatic effect. Right, right. That's true. And you kind of have to, it's almost like either one person's really, really gullible or there's just a suspension of disbelief there. Yeah. That's required, right, in order for, for that relationship to continue or whatever. Or they're just toxic. There's a lot, like, as I was going through it, I'm like, that's not a good relationship. That's not a good relationship. Well, if you're, well, you're going to judge it by that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, did, did you have a hard time settling on your three? Did you have as hard a time as I did? No. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, my, my hardest thing was is I felt like they all I, – I, I made a discovery – um, I could have made all three of the couples Joss Whedon couples. Oh, interesting. I struggled with are all three of my fave couples comic book couples. Like I had to force myself to kind of broaden, you know, what I was considering. And I'm glad I did because I, I really like my three. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's, let's hear your three. I'm curious. Okay. So let's do one and one. Okay. Okay. So I'll go first. Um, so one that I oh I want to save this one to the end. <laughs> um, okay, so what as I started, 
thinking I, I went about it the wrong way because the first thing I did was started listing couples, but then I realized that they were all comic book couples, and I thought, no, you know what? In order to force myself to consider, you know, more than just comic book pairings, I have to like list like what are geek properties? Like what are the things that I'm into that I've been into growing up and that sort of thing, and then look for couples within those properties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and one that immediately came to mind was um, Scully and Mulder. Okay. Now, to me, that's a couple. They're they're definitely t- t- that that's a kind of couple. I guess it's you could almost say it's like half of a fan fiction kind of shipping scenario, but I don't see it that way uh, because you know not all couples have sex. <laughs> well, didn't they end up like I haven't seen any of the new stuff. Have you seen the new stuff? Yeah, I saw the new stuff. Yeah. Are are they together or were they? Together? Yeah, they had like a kid together and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, but for me, like it, it, the the will they or won't they aside, because I'm with you, I'm I'm annoyed by that. Mm-hmm. I just really liked, I loved actually how they clearly clearly were into each other, and I would even say definitely on Mulder's end of things, like getting off on each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like. It, like that was the good stuff for them. Like that, like that was enough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, so that, that was one, a pairing that I was like from like way, I mean, I started watching, you know, X-Files when it first premiered. So uh, I really followed this couple for a long, too long. Let's put it that way. No, I like uh, it. I can see it. I definitely, I, I don't, don't begrudge you that couple. <laughs> okay, good, good. And I also like just how weird they each are. Like maybe Scully a little bit less, you know, but mm-hmm. I love how over the course of the show, like you got to see how they had like, they hinted at like weird fetishes that each couple, each part, uh, a person had. And like, they would just be like sounds, like noises in the background of like a phone conversation or like, you know, like a scene starts and like one of them is sitting watching something on TV and, and they don't show what it is, but you know, the phone rings and they pick it up and you go and they pause the TV and you go, wait, was it, what was that? Like, <laughs> what the heck was that person watching just now? Um, so it's like all this stuff on the periphery. And I think that that's what makes, to me, that's what makes an interesting relationship that I want to follow is where there's, there. it feels like there's life kind of like on the edges of each personality. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Joe, I mean... You think you know someone. You can be <laughs> friends with someone for years and think you know someone. But when you cross over into the relationship thing where it's like now we're like a couple or we're dating or something, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you see a whole different side. And so I think that that made that really believable for me is that the writers of that show over, you know, the different iterations of this couple, they always had stuff going on on the edges that you were like, oh, okay. There's the weirdness that, you know, once you're a couple, you that that shit is like full on like in the relationship. I I, I like it. I like cool. it. It feel it feels right. It feels like a good a good uh, a good pairing. Yeah, I was I was proud of that one. Okay. So um Oh gee, which one do I want to do? Um, <laughs> I ended up with two because because like last minute I ended up kicking Kitty and, and Colossus off. So wow. um, I think I'm going to start with um, uh, th- that leaves me with two 
Joss Whedon ones. So yeah. I may I may do a quick re- revision so that I don't end up with a bunch of of his stuff. And I'm going to start with um, Tara and Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I read. I never watched Buffy, but I read about them today. <laughs> it, it's a it's a great. It's a great pairing. Like it was, it was natural. It was one of the first, I think it may have been one of the first, if not the first same sex kiss on screen. On screen kiss. Um, I think so. That's pretty rad because Buffy ran when in the nineties, right? Late nineties. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a big deal to her friends. It was, it was just like, Hey, I'm dating her now. They're like, cool. And, and it was just a very natural thing. And I think coming from an LGBTQ background, it, it's, it was, it was a very important thing for me. Right. And so, um, for me, that was, that was a big deal. And again, not perfect. And, and, um, you know, there was definitely some tragedy to it, but they, they really did care for each other. And I feel like that that was a very, loving caring good example of what a, a a relationship should be yeah yeah so do you feel i mean more than one of your couples is is we are weeding couples do you feel like he's good at at portraying like a relationship that you want to see and that you can invest in i don't th- i think he's good at not exploiting the relationship for dramatic value yeah yeah because if you like uh, one of these might be I might use, but in the same in the same fandom, there was Xander and Anya, which were just hilarious and dysfunctional, <laughs> functionally dysfunctional. Yeah, but but it wasn't like you know it, it was it was a a odd pairing. You have um, Fitz. Uh, do you watch? I don't think you do. Um, uh, Marvel Agents of Shield. No, I, I've watched episodes here and there, but I'm not like a dedicated follower. You have Fitz and Simmons, which yes, they're they're kind of always running into barriers to their to their relationship, but it doesn't stop them from loving each other. You have um, you have Zoe and Wash from Firefly, okay. like just all of these different pairings that are are not not. I guess the only way I can say is they're not exploited. They're not like we're going to constantly put them in crisis in their relationship crisis to add value to the show. We're right. going to let them be in this relationship and have regular problems. And, you know, but it's not like, oh, I misunderstood something and now we're fighting for six episodes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Was with with Willow and, and Tara, 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 um, Tara. Tara, what, was there a long buildup? Was there like a will they, won't they for a long time? No, there really wasn't. There was kind of a we we kind of got an idea that that um, Tara was was lesbian, and in in one of the alternate reality episodes um, when Willow was a vampire, she was uh, a lesbian, and so Willow kind of kind of had this inkling that maybe she leaned that direction mm-hmm. and they just kind of built up this friendship that developed into more than that. And it was, it was very, um, I don't know, wholesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh man, I, I, 
don't spoil me because I'm thinking every time I talk to somebody about Buffy, it makes me want to go back and, and watch it. You should. You like you're gonna have to struggle through the first season. Okay. How like many first, how, how many seasons is it? Um, I want to say five. Okay. And so uh, it just it just sounds cool because Whedon being Whedon, I'm sure once the relationship is established in the show, like he, I'm sure explores like other factors, right? Like, um, you know, it's not just about the whole courting, you know, getting together. I mean, the, the more, the most interesting, interesting stuff a lot of times is what happens after that, right? Like, okay, now what? Yeah. There was actually yeah. seven seasons. Seven. Okay. That's good. That's like a good, I just, I, I, what did I, I wrapped up this past spring. I, I watched a uh, breaking bad finally. After, you know, people begged me to watch it in five seasons. It was cool. Once I got into the groove of the show, I, I really liked that there was, like, multiple seasons to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So this might be that. The first season is only 12 that. episodes, and that's the one you have to struggle to get through because it's very Monster of the Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have as much of a thirst through story. But um, I, I, would, I would love to know what you think of it because cool. it's one of my favorite fandoms. Okay, cool. Yeah, see, it's Buffy always keeps coming back, so <laughs> probably do that eventually. All right, what's your what's your second one? Okay, so my second one, and you're gonna have to like forgive me. You're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me an honorable mention here okay. because I had originally, and I think this was just just for pure I, iconic status of this couple. I had Han Solo and and Princess Leia. Mm-hmm on my list, but they actually, they were a a last minute bump. They got bumped today. And the reason why, and mind you, when I was, I didn't, I didn't mention this at all to you yet before we started recording, but I was kind of freaking out up until like yesterday. Like, Oh my God, like, what are my couples? Like, I don't even have my couples. Like I gotta, (laughs) you know, sit down and have, have a think, you know, and like, and figure this out. And then all at once yesterday, it just kind of, they came to me like in very quick succession. But so I had Han and Leia locked in until earlier today when I just I was thinking about, you know, why, why I picked the couples that I did and what about the relationships I like. And one of the things that I kept coming back to with Han and Leia is that um, I was like, was this the first like I was a kid when I watched Star Wars for the first time? Like, was this the first like non wholesome kind of pairing where it's like, oh, like, you know, he there's kind of like a, I don't want to say predatory, but like he's a scoundrel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's not trying to like, I mean, he probably is trying to start a family, but there's like kind of this inkling of like, oh yeah, I'm a bad boy and that's why you like me. Am, am I the um, only person who thinks Han Solo is one of those guys who really wants to be a bad guy, but a bad boy, but just isn't like. Thank you. Yes. You, you nailed it. Yeah. Like I feel like that's like, exactly. Like, oh, he's a scoundrel. I'm like not, not really. <laughs> not really. Dude, that was total that was totally me today on the drive home. Not really. And then I thought, okay, so what was what's a, an example of a real scoundrel that I, you know, was exposed to or that I was aware of early on and and what did that relationship look like? And I and as, as soon as I thought of it, Joe, I was like, that's got to go on the list. Han and Leia are out. And the couple is Peter Venkman and Dana Barrett okay. of Ghostbusters. Show your work. 
That Show dude, your work. <laughs> what? That dude uh, yes. is a scoundrel. That, that, that guy is really just trying to pick up this woman. Yeah. He's really just trying to get laid. And the thing that, oh man, first of all, I love Ghostbusters. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Um, and thinking about their relationship and thinking about the whole course of the movie of him, you know, kind of try, trying to trying to get in her bed, basically. Um, first thing that, that hit me was one of the reasons why I like it is because she just, she takes none of his shit. Like she doesn't fall for any of his cheesy ass lines, like his, you know, obvious, like trying to like, you know, whether he's talking shit about like the, the musician that she's dating or the composer that she's dating or whatever, he just, she just like never softens. Right. And then the moment where, you know, supposedly, you know, if this guy's really icky and, and fucking gross, you know, he gets invited to her bed. He's like, yeah, no, this is not going to happen. <laughs> nope, nope, no way. Like, let's just, let's just settle down, you know, like just go to sleep and we're going to have to figure this out. Um, and, and I also kind of like that in, in part two, which, you know, I mean, we are talking about Ghostbusters part two here, but still. Yeah. Like he fucked it up. <laughs> like he, you know, true true to his character, right? Like even though it was a, a very romantic kind of culmination at the end of the first film, you know, he only ever gets his first kiss because, you know, there's a crowd cheering them on and he just, you know, he, him and his team just kind of saved the city. And so she's kind of like, all right, you know, but true to his character, like he, no, he's not, he was not, that was not going to work. <laughs> so I, I I guess one of the I'm realizing as I'm saying this to you one of the things that that draws me to to couple you know couples in in these geek properties that I love is the realism as well like I'm not I'm not down this is one of the things that Whedon you know kind of I'm I'm a little bit hesitant about his stuff is because it's so wholesome that it just doesn't but ring is it true wholesome to me. or is it just like stable. Like that's, 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 that's my question because it's not yeah. like they're all, I mean, they do argue, they do fight, they, but, but you know, they're, they're committed to one another through thick and thin. And so I don't see it as sugary. I see it as, um, practical, like we're in a relationship. This is, you know, we're going to have right. ups and we're going to have downs and we're not always going to like each other, even though we love each other. And that's just the way relationships work. My therapist is gonna have a field day with this fucking episode. <laughs> so I'm looking at my third couple going, oh thank God they work. So so Peter like Bankman and Dana Bear, that's my second on couple. On my radar at all, and, and I like that. I like that quite a bit because they do kind of give each other <laughs> – okay. like they, they play off of each other well, and you can understand where the attraction comes yeah. from. Yes, that's that's true. That's um, a good point. All right, so my second one is a. I, I wanted to make sure I had a comic book one to uh, to to replace Kitty and Colossus because I really do think that I, I I like Kitty, I like Colossus, I like them as characters, individual. I do not like them in a relationship. That's a big deal to me. That's the major revelation because as long as I've known you. Well, I feel like we were introduced to each other 
as geeks by your massive yeah. X-Men poster in your classroom. And right away, it was known that you were a fan of Kitty Pride and a fan of Colossus. So it's it's I never even considered that you would be a bigger fan of the characters and not so much of the relationship. So that's this is like this is a big deal to me. There's and there's there are a couple there are a couple of (laughs) of, um, as far as comic book couples go runners up. um, I I considered putting um, Black Bolt and Medusa on there. Ooh, that's a good one. I like they like they're. Again, it's that same kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a realistic relationship bumped up to eleven. Um, so that was that. That yeah. was definitely. I don't yeah. know enough about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones in the comic books to put them on my list, but they were definitely there because I feel like it is again yeah. that that same kind of realistic. We get why they're together, and it's a very imperfect yeah. relationship, but it works. Um, But I had to settle on um, Big B and Snow White from Fables. Oh, dude, I totally forgot about Fables. Okay, I haven't read Fables as far. And I mean, this, whatever spoilers, because I, it's that, that, those stories I've had access to if I really wanted to read them. Um, I remember the first couple books where, I mean, it starts out she hates them, right? Or she wants something to do with them. And I think by the end of the first arc, or I think the second arc, he kind of shows that, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's a good guy. You know, he's got some good qualities. Um, But I don't don't believe that I've read any of the stories where she comes around. I didn't know that they were like an established couple at any point. Yeah. Yeah. They have. Oh, what? Like she has a full litter. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Like she has a full <laughs> oh my god! So catch me up to speed. What is the what? what if if you can recall, if I can put you on the spot, what 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 is the um what is the 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 evolution? I guess that or, or what is the story where she comes around and uh, you know I, what I is the inciting incident there for this what, what brings them together? To- but I I do know that. First of all, Big B Wolf is one of my favorite characters in all of comic books because he's just like he's like Wolverine but without the angst. Um, yeah, like oh, he, he's practical. He's got a little bit of that noir thing going on. He's he's trying to repent for his sins. Uh, he's just he's a really good. Yeah. He's just a really good, really well thought out character, and he's just kind of that ho- heroic. I'm going to do what's right. Even if it kills me kind of guy. He does have that, um, that murderous urge a little bit, right? Okay. And is she, does she become like a figure that like, um, maybe not challenges him to be better, but like, like he sees her as like yeah, a so way to be good. They're not codependent like that. like that, which I think is is another thing that bugs me about it. Okay. Like you know that when when one of the characters is constantly like they're the only thing that will keep you know the the second part of the couple from going berserk or from destroying the world, right? Or from you know, yeah, no, they're good because they're good. Um, she the 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 thing I like about the, their dynamic is that 
she's a very strong character too. She's not the, Oh my hero. She doesn't play the Disney princess. Um, and okay. so they kind of, you know, they, <laughs> she has, she has seven kids with this guy and yeah, all at Whoa. once. All at once. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, they oh have a God. litter of kids. <laughs> and, and of course, and they're all, they're all oh magical God. because she's magical. He's magical. So they like flying all over the place and they age quicker than they're supposed to. Uh, one's just a gust of wind. Oh my God. Like it, it's. Oh, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> crazy. Fables How good so is Fables, good. man? Um, God. But, but she, you know, they stick together, but they have, again, like trying to raise these crazy kids. Um, they just, they have a good relationship. And, and so it's just kind of fun to see them be there for each other and stand up for each other and, um, you know, just try and figure out how to make this weird pairing work. And who would have ever thought pairing the big bad wolf with Snow White? Like it just—that's what I love about Fables. It's just so cockeyed. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's man. That makes me want to go back and catch up with that series as well. Um, how long has it been since you've since you? Oh, you've it's been years, and I don't think Fables. I ever actually finished the series. It got to a point where I was like frustrated with it, and I was like, "All right, I'm done." Um, but but it was more okay. of like I think if I went back, I, I have this problem. <laughs> I fully own this problem. Um, when I've been away from a <laughs> property for too long, I don't feel comfortable going back unless I start over, and that's a lot of starting over to go through. Okay. So so I yeah yeah yeah. I I may go back at some point when I have time, but but it would require me to go through all the stuff that I read already to understand, to remember where I was, yeah. where I'd left off. <laughs> God. Yeah. Now see that you just reminded me. You, stop, stop bringing up cool <laughs> stuff, Joe. I don't have enough time as it is. Uh, who's your last one? Oh man. Okay. I'm a little bit giddy about this one. Just as giddy as I was when I first read this comic. So this is a comic book pair. And honestly, of all the comic book couples that came to mind, um, this was the one that really just in terms of like how much I wanted to follow this pair and this couple and just read about their relationship and their interactions and stuff. This was the one that I kept coming back to. Um, and that is, uh, might surprise you because they're not a mainstream comic book. Uh, it's Midnighter and Apollo. Okay. I am. I, I know who they are. I have never read anything they're in. Okay, so they are an image. Okay. <laughs> it is an image comic, okay? Um, and, you know, as much shit as, I, as we talk about image, and I definitely like to talk shit about image comics, um, that it really was, I have to own up to the fact that image comics were my gateway drug <laughs> into mm-hmm. comic books. Um, because it was new when I started heavily collecting comics. And, I mean, I had been reading comic books since I was like, you know, 10 or 11 years old, buying random issues at the swap meet or like behind the, you know, drugstore counter or whatever. Um, But in junior high, I was in art class and there was a a kid in that class who was a year younger than me. I was in the eighth grade, so he was in seventh grade. And um, way cooler than any seventh grader is allowed to be. He was just this 
young, cool skater kid. And he liked to draw as well. So him and I were the two like artists in the mm-hmm. class. And teacher pretty much let us do whatever we want and, you know, uh, gave it gave us an eight because we attended public school. And um, so his drawings were better than mine, and that really fucked with me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, this kid's a year younger than me. How is he making drawings that I like better than my own drawings? And because uh, I'm, you know, cocky. And um, he eventually showed me that he was he was buying these comics – and he was just, you know, he was reproducing the drawings out of these comics. And I thought, like, oh, like, you know, the, the I'm aware of all the big mainstream comic book characters. So who are these? What are these comics that you're reading? Because back then I thought it was only DC and Marvel right, and that was right, it. Right. Um, I think, like, Continuity Comics was around or Eclipse Comics or something like that. But um, so it turns out he was buying Mark Silvestri's first run of, of uh, uh, God, what are they called? Um I don't remember, not Strike Force, Cyber Force. And so he was just reproducing Mark Silvestri comics. And once I got my hands on these comic books, I was blown away. And that was really what got me to ask my mom to drive me to my local comic book store, uh, which was not local. And, and, you know, I just sort of, it was like the heyday of Image. Like Image was new. All of these creators, you know, all of these really like famous artists were, like in their very first runs of, you know, Wildcats, Youngblood, uh, fucking, you know, Cyberforce, um, you know, Savage Dragon, you know, like all of these spawn. And so I just ate it up, man. And mm-hmm. I think looking back, obviously the art had a lot to do with it, but also it was just the fact, I think, uh, that subconsciously, like it was new and there wasn't this weight of like decades of continuity attached to them. Right. Right. It just felt like, oh, I'm in on the ground floor of this thing. Um, You know, eventually I realized it dawned on me. Oh, these stories are terrible. (laughs) And then a few months later, oh, this artwork is also terrible. (laughs) Um, And so eventually I kind of evolved out of that. But there was this really cool sweet spot in image comics where because now it's known primarily as like an independent publisher. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like the genius of, of Jim Valentino to actually, you know, realize that, you know, the strength of Image Comics ultimately was as a publisher. And, you know, it's it's kind of evolved from what it started to, to what it is now. And we have really cool comics like Saga and, you know, Powers and like different comics over the years that have gained notoriety and they're really solid coming from Image. But there was this cool, like, kind of period where image was transitioning from like the the early cheesy ass 90s comics to what it is now and they would bring different creators onto these established books that they had established and then just kind of let them run wild with them right and just really break convention and because you know we all know young blood and you know wildcats they were the x-men right like that's what that was that was jim lee wanting to do his own x-men stories and so he would literally create you know a, a wolverine ripoff Right or or a Cyclops ripoff or whatever, and so one of the one of the books that Jim Lee had started was called Stormwatch, and it was like this like team of superheroes that was run by the UN, the United Nations, and so you had like superheroes from different countries all over the world, kind of a cool concept. Um, and this was one of the books that really early on, like in the transition that Image Comics was making, they started bringing in different writers to just like kind of break the mold and do different takes with these characters. And one of the writers that came on was Warren Ellis. 
And so right away, like happens with a lot of these, you know, books when, when a new creative team comes on, he kind of ditched a lot of the team. I think like half the team died, like in one issue, like just like brutally, like just out of nowhere, like half the team is killed. And then like, you know, most of the surviving members like quit or whatever. And so he introduces his own characters. And it's really cool when you get someone like Warren Ellis or like, you know, I think in the vein of like Alan Moore, people that are obviously aware of the conventional characters and they don't want to just rip them off. They want to actually give them a twist, something that, you know, so you create your own Wolverine character and now you can tell Wolverine stories that Marvel would never allow to be told. Right. Um, and so Warren Ellis introduced among the different characters that he created that I thought to this day, I think they're great characters. He created this, these two characters, this duo called Midnighter and Apollo. But really you find out extremely quickly, Midnighter is Batman and Apollo is Superman. That's who these characters are. And at the end of their first issue, you find out that they're also a gay couple. And I can't tell you how happy that made me, Joe. Just It was like someone was like, it was like a whole new world. Like, oh my God, like the storytelling possibilities. Like the fact, I, I didn't, it's like with that moment when you realize you didn't even know you were in a box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. my young, <laughs> like my young teenage mind was like, oh, that's right. We're surrounded by like heterosexual, like heteronormative couples. Like it just, that tiny difference that isn't, you know, really a tiny difference when you, when you take it all in, it just broke my brain, man. And in addition to that, <laughs> they're just really well written. You know, it's just like Batman, like you've never seen Batman act. Like, you know, it's in the character, but just the take on it is so matter of fact. And then like, Apollo is like powered by the sun. Like, you know, how much more, you know, <laughs> how much more specific to like these archetypes can you get, right? Um, but but really like mm-hmm. the thing that kept kept me coming back to this comic, and I read it for years. I mean, it transitioned from Stormwatch to Planetary, and then it became a uh, planetary, and then it became the authority. But he he kind of built you know, certain characters, he really built on them. And, and you were able to follow these characters through different titles, like for years. And Midnight or Apollo were that couple for me. That's. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a couple that I know that I, I should have been kind of, um, Oh, I, I was aware of them, but I, <laughs> sorry. My puppy is, is very excited. Um, Something that I I've been aware of them, but I've never actually read them. So that's that should go yeah, on my yeah. list of to dos, which gets love. <laughs> and looking back now, I can see what you're talking about with um, Willow and, and Tara about just kind of the matter of factness of it. Like it wasn't exploited, right? Um, that's very much the take on these characters. Mm-hmm. Like it's just there's no like big huge sign saying like oh they're gay, so they're gonna do gay things. You know what I mean? Like, it's none of that. It's just, like, a very realistic, grounded relationship. And, goddamn, like, that makes for great storytelling. Well, that's awesome. Like I said, I'm going to have to check it out. Because, I mean, they've been around forever, and I've known of them. And the design of the characters are cool, too. Like, you get a really gritty, like, urban take on Batman. Like, really, like, no-nonsense, like, stripped-down takes on, like, these archetypes. So, yeah, it's just so good. I'm going to go back and read all my 
all my Midnight and Apollo comics after we're done recording this tonight. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, my last couple, I'm just going to kind of go quickly through um, because I don't know that there's a lot of people that would even recognize them. It's a little bit of a deep dive, but um, for some reason they popped instantly into my head when you um, when you mentioned this as a topic. And so um, my my I'm a big fan of True Blood, but I didn't want to do any of the Sookie relationships because it was just like a, a circus of <laughs> of men <laughs> that would come through. Um, most of those relationships were a mess, except for, and they are probably one of my favorite TV couples ever, Arlene and Terry. No, now, but you, I you do know, know it's, all, it, do you? there's some kind of infamy attached to True Blood because I know that we're aware of a lot of actors now that kind of like started in True Blood, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Like it was, it was a springboard for a lot of people or a good um, yeah. transition um, for people who, you know, had had okay careers, but this kind of sprung them into uh, a, a different uh, level, like. Uh, Right, Anna uh, Paquin. Anna that's Paquin. right. This was after X Men for her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so it yeah. kind of got her out of the more adult role and into something a little bit more. Yeah, and very adult. Like I think she was Stigma. trying to get rid of. Yeah. The, the I'm thinking of like Skarsgård, right? Stigma. He was on True Blood, but, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Moyer, who's now right. On, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Manganiello, right? Yeah, damn, there was some beefcake on yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a gorgeous show. Like, but and and that's the funny thing is, is my couple has nothing <laughs> okay. to do with that. Um, just really quickly, so Arlene and Terry. Arlene, uh, there's, there's some. It's it's from like 2014. So uh, spoilers as far as this is True Blood. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> spoilers. Um, so the first season of of True Blood, the 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 killer is is Arlene's fiance, and and so she for the rest of the the series is very hesitant to trust people because she almost married this yeah. guy who's like killing all these people, and so um, the other character in this relationship is Terry, who is the cousin, I think, of the the sheriff. And he is back from, I think, Iraq. And he's got, um, you know, he's shell-shocked. He's got P- PTSD. Um, he's just quirky <laughs> and weird. And, and he's, the, he's the short order cook at the same place that Suki, who's the Anna Paquin character and Arlene are waitresses. And the childlike <laughs> simplicity of their romance is just so like, it just makes me smile thinking about it. It's just so innocent and so sweet. And so this is, this is a little bit of that sappy, um, because they, they, they fight constantly. She's constantly nagging him. He's constantly like, <laughs> you know, stop nagging me, woman. 
but at the core of it, he is so wow. ridiculously in love with her, and she is this so on ridiculously in love with him. And this happens on they are they are like third level <laughs> characters. They are not because Sookie's having relationships and love <laughs> triangles all over the place. And in the background, you have Arlene and Terry who are just keeping it real and having real life problems. Um, well, I mean, they're not real. There's, nobody has real life problems in True Blood. They're all like crazy, like possessed children and weird, like all weirdness that could possibly be happening. But the two of them are always just like, they're so, they're so beautiful together. And I, I, I just love that relationship so much that like they i if they could have spun off a show just the two of them i would have watched this is great i'm seeing that they were um they're one of those couples i they clearly they have a fandom i just a quick google search shows that (laughs) they definitely have their followers this couple and um they're one of those couples that had their names combined to to tarlene (laughs) yes i know oh yeah oh yeah I mean, like she, I, I think she was having morning sickness at one point, and 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 she's got her fiance from the previous relationship's baby that he's like, I don't care, I'm gonna take care of this kid with you, and and he, because he's so socially awkward because of the PTSD, it's like she's throwing up in the back, like he, they're having a conversation. He's written down what he wants to tell her, and he's like, This is how I'm gonna be good to you and good to this child. And she has morning sickness, so she goes running into the bathroom. It's barfing in the bathroom, and he's like, "Oh, this is terrible! This is terrible!" And so he stands outside the closed door and continues <laughs> to read his letter to her <laughs> because because he doesn't know what else to do. And it is such a wow! This sounds like it really provided like a, like a, a subtle contrast, like in the background of like the the drama of True Blood of what I know True Blood to be. <laughs> Yes, yes, it was. I mean, they had their own weirdness and they had their own subplots and they had their own issues. But at the end of the day, like there was such a a clean sincerity to their relationship that it was like definitely one of That's my favorite mark of like a really entertaining show or whatever, where it's like even third level couples, like they find something interesting and cool and like fun to do with them. You know what I mean? So you're just getting enjoyment at like all levels of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think at some point, I, I know we're going to probably be wrapping it up here in a second, but we, we really should go back and have another episode. And, and would you be open to doing this episode as our next week's episode is um, our, our, oh, our Joe, I already have that list. favorite couples? I made that list. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So then let's do that as our our um episode for next week because i don't want to otherwise we're going to be here for another hour and a half um but i like i'm going i was going i i know you and i kind of researched the same way and we go okay what what have i forgotten and look at the other (laughs) top 20 top 30 top 10 lists and i'm just as i'm scrolling through i'm like really really you'd put those two like you put them as a good couple. That's not a good couple. There's nothing functional about the relationship whatsoever. Yeah. yeah totally. Watch their relationship. Um, 
So yeah, so that I think will be our our show for next week. No, but I do want to. I would like to issue a request to our listeners. Anyone that feels uh, like they want to take this on, I would love to see. You you have our list now, right? Um, I would love to see someone try to uh, see if you can come up with a good single name for any of the couples (laughs) that we've mentioned here how can you can you create a portmanteau can you put these two names together and come up with another tarlene i'm going to see how each of these he can get creative with these couples and see if we can figure out a kind of a, a short you know term for for some of these couples i think that'll be fun yeah and i definitely want people to throw in their own favorite couples and why i mean slack's great for this Reddit's fine to email us, but get us that. Like, I feel like all of a sudden we're starting to get a lot of interaction around our, our podcast. And, and I want to keep that going. I re- really loved the, the conversations yeah. that you guys had on Slack about our yeah. last episode. It, it was really awesome to, to see that and be part of that. So yeah, jump in. What, what, what makes a good relationship yeah. for you? Um, what makes a good couple? What, what are I'm on couples? Slack now? And I'm on Twitter a ton. So if it works better for you to tweet at me, do that. Because I'm on Twitter like every day. More than I should be. <laughs> did, did I did I steer you wrong? Oh, Ray? no. No. I like Slack a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. It keeps me going throughout the day for sure. Um, so, yeah. You, got, you guys know how to reach us. All right. Awesome. Um, so that's our show for next week. What is uh, your shout outs for this week? Oh, this week I have to give a shout out to my whole LCAD admissions team. Um, We spent a couple days uh, last week in Palm Springs for our annual admissions retreat. It's always a ton of fun. Um, You definitely pay for it afterwards. (laughs) But um, it's really cool. I've never done a job. I had a job like this where I'm just so close and tight with my coworkers. We're all friends, like really outside of work. And the admissions retreat, we work our asses off. We get a lot of stuff done, basically plan our entire calendar almost for admissions. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to work hard, you got to play hard too. So we definitely uh, accomplished that. So shout out to, to everyone on the LCAT team. You know who you are. Uh, looking forward to next year already. I think it's awesome. Every time you tell me about those those trips, they sound <laughs> like the kind of fun stuff that, that I wish a lot of – a lot of organizations would do, although I can understand why they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes it takes a special a special organization. That's true. Yes, absolutely. Um, I wanted to send a shout out to some of our wonderful listeners who have been giving us feedback and keeping the conversations going on um, on Slack. Um, Lyle McCarns, um, Matt. I don't know your last name. And I don't remember Kyle's last name. I'm scrolling through Slack right now to try and get Kyle's last name, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it before we need to move on. But uh, the three of you guys have been so good about kind of jumping in and um, and kind of just giving us feedback and letting us know uh, what you think. And so we really very much appreciate that. And uh, keep it up. We, we love it. Yeah. All right. As we said, next week we're going to be like, what makes a really bad couple? <laughs> Our three least favorite couples. <laughs> I now I'm going to have trouble limiting it to three. Um, 
All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek to Dude is a proud member of the Geek to Geek Network. Check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the Geek to Geek podcast, RunningShoes.tv, uh, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. Also, check out our Slack. Go ahead and send a message to any of us, and uh, we will be happy to invite you. Um, I also think there's a link on the main site. Uh, you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? I am everywhere. <laughs> uh, all you got to do is type in Ray Vargas 3, and uh, you can visit my website at rayvargas3.com. But, uh, yeah, I'm on social media. I'm, I'm definitely a social media addict, so uh, mostly on Twitter these days, uh, also on Instagram and on Facebook at Ray Vargas 3. All right, and that's our show for today. Uh, join us next week, and until then, remember this week, keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to... Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? (sighs) Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy?! Yes, there are droppings. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find the shared desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The shared desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different, different points, points of view. view. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers.